500 vehicles to sell, 500 ways to save. One month only at Bill Penny Mitsubishi during Memorial Month. Now through May 31st, we will accept your credit application. A $200 down payment and a $350 a week paycheck can get you a new Mitsubishi. Don't forget, every new vehicle comes with our 10-year unlimited warranty. You can win 5000 with our 5K test drive giveaway. Visit BillPennyMitsubishi.com. To qualify buyers on a credit, warranty valid through 10-year ownership on new vehicles only. One entry per household per month. Must be 21 with valid driver's license and insurance. See dealer for details. Shut up and sit down. I was on the um, chat, and I was on the I was on Facebook today, and I saw a, a post from somebody who had a, who inferred something about pet status and the ties at Bond Universe that isn't true. But it, it crossed my mind that the only opinion that you really see of pet status in ties that bind is actually Rodney's, and Rodney is very derogatory towards the idea of pet status. It upsets him. And mostly it's because his sister has pet status in her household with her husband because that was her choice. She chooses not to work. She chooses to be a submissive 24-7 to her husband. That's a choice, and it is a valid choice in the world just as much as anybody else's choices, whether it be Rodney's choice to be um, submissive sexually in private and in exhibition, but to work and to create a career for himself. Now, Andre is a pet in Gerard's household. Both of the submissives that he had when you first meet him are pets, and that's because he's the kind of dom that requires that kind of attention from his submissive. There are other statuses that a submissive can have in the ties that bind world. It's not just pets or, you know, sexually submissive at home, but, you know, what we would call normal in public. And you have to keep in mind that the ties that bind universe dynamic has always been there. Always. It shaped every single human event in history. Dynamic is there. It was there during the Civil War. It was there... In Rome, it was something that Queen Victoria had to deal with in a way that she might not have dealt with the same way in the ties at Bind Universe as she did sexual ideas in our own history, in, in reality. So every single event in the ties at Bind Universe, from the cave upward, has been shaped by the idea an acceptance of dynamic, whether it be submissive or dominant or switch or anything of that nature. So it's um, that's what it is. So pets. There's pets. There are, um, while there is no legal slavery in most of the countries on, on earth, there is social slavery, which isn't the same thing at all. It, it's, it's not about ownership of a person. It's about ownership of submission. 
and a someone who has social this is kind of difficult to explain. I'll call it in a minute. Okay, so say someone um, has a uh, pet in their household. This is not an implication of someone who likes to pretend to be a puppy or a pony. That is something entirely separate called pet play. And I don't address pet play in Ties That Bind because I kind of find it humiliating and I don't enjoy humiliation in sex. This is just a personal squick of my own that um so it will never be explored. I'm I'm never gonna talk about pony play or or puppy play or cages or um anything like that. As far really as far as that goes, the leash is about as far as I would ever go on that subject. Uh but a submissive can be a slave in their master's home, like a sex slave someone who is available to their dom 24-7 as a slave. And they might not have any other relationship outside of that. There might not even be a romantic relationship. Um, They are someone who is used specifically for sex, and that's a sex slave. And that can be satisfying to people. It, It just depends on what they want. And what everybody in the situation finds satisfying. As far as pets go, pets are um, treasured and pampered and um, coddled. They are not, uh, it's not a uh, a position in the household that should be seen as shameful or uh, embarrassing. In fact, um, being the pet of Gerard Desaad is kind of like a big deal. It's you know, it's a very coveted place to be if you're a submissive. There are there are there are other pets in ties that bind. Angela Rampart is a pet. She doesn't have a job outside the home, and that's what and that's what being a pet is. They don't work outside the home. They don't make decisions about where they go or what they do. Um, they are pampered and coddled and treated like treasure. So geisha, yes, are in fact trained to be pets. They don't always seek that status, but they train for that status. So that that's what that is. It's it's not a uh it's not a derogatory situation. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Uh an, another pet in ties that bind of course is Jeannie Miller. And Angela Rampart is a pet. Uh, David's wife, Claire, is not a pet. She, but she doesn't work outside the home because she has small children. She's, she's not. You know, she's kind of in between. She is um, devoted, sexually submissive to, to her to her dom and very intent on her marriage and family, but I wouldn't consider her a pet. She does have a career as an artist outside of the home, and she's known for it. She was known for it before she met David. So she's not quite the same as, say, Angela Rampart, who has never held a job in her life. Angela went from college training, where she was trained 
as a submissive, or she was marked as a courtesan, and when she came out of Desaad, she was collared by Rampart. And that is, and she has no interest whatsoever in holding a job. No, not interested. She would not want anybody messing with her, with the deal she's got going on. She's, she's, real, she's, she's quite pleased with it. And um, so is Andre. <laughs> you know, Jeannie is a different situation because her dom wants to balance her intellect and her potential with her own needs for family and, and children. When you when you look at Jeannie and Rodney and they they both came out of a situation with a with a terrible mother who was dominant and borderline abusive in this particular verse. She just wasn't a particularly caring woman and didn't value their father. So you have two children coming out of this situation and one does everything in his power to escape the situation that he saw his own father in. Whereas Jeannie, who had the same family growing up as Rodney, instead chose to make a family of her own and to better that, to to create a loving home for herself. So two children coming out of the same situation approach it very differently. Whereas and in the end, Rodney did fall into the same situation that his father did with Sam. Yes, someone mentioned that in the chat room. So, you know, it just... There, pets. Pets and slaves and just submissive in general. Um, it is not a... Uh, one's not better than the other. When it comes to status and ties that bind, that comes more from training and being marked than anything else. And Andre is a consort from La, from La Petite Mort, and he is um, beautiful and very young and coveted, and his status is is very elite amongst other submissive submissives. To be the pet of the de facto Marquis de Sade is quite huge, and it's a privilege as far as Andre is concerned, and in, and in no way is he considered less in Gerard's household. In fact, because of his status, and now that he's the only collared submissive in Gerard's home, if Gerard were to bring in a second submissive, that submissive would be beneath Andre in the hierarchy of the house, and will continue to be, because Gerard has developed feelings through for Andre, and yes, he has gone through quite a few pets. He had a set of twins before Andre and Raiden, and he's always kind of played the field, but he's getting older now, and he's let himself fall in love for the first time since he marked his courtesan. And Andre is very special to him. And so I do think that eventually on um Gerard will marry Andre um, to keep him because he's quite he's quite enthralled with Andre in his home, and he goes out of his way to keep Andre happy. 
and to give him the space that he needs. And so it's just, it's a mark of, um, Gerard's love for him. I got a question in the chat room. What about females? Would that make Andre less? No. The only way a woman could come into Gerard's house and love Andre's is if he married her and fathered children with her. It's not likely to happen. Desaad is quite, he's about as monosexual as John, for real. Um, the idea that he might take a female submissive, I don't, I don't see it happening. Right, only if he married her and she had children would she have status. Or if he had children without marrying her, she would have higher status in the house because protection laws would require that he keep her with his children, keep her in the style of which she would you know, be accustomed to. So, yeah, it's, you know, marriage would top that or children would top that. If he married Andre and then had children with a female submissive in his home, they would probably share um, equal status, but he wouldn't be able to throw her out of the house and keep her children away from her. I don't understand your question, Inkwave. There's a question in the chat room I don't quite understand. I don't really see Gerard as a parent either. There are other young Desaad doms coming up in the house. So he has no real, no real requirement to breed for the family name, so to speak. Would he have children to add to his legacy in the family? I don't know. I think that if Andre wanted a child, that Gerard would be like, okay, <laughs> you know, we'll find a surrogate and 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 have a child for you. Um, oh, yes, of course there are surrogates. I mean, in a society where only one gender can have children and um, same-sex pairings are common, the idea that there wouldn't be surrogate situation in place is, is kind of weird. So, yeah, it's possible. Contracting for a surrogate isn't the same thing as collaring. So contracting for a surrogate would be like doing it in today's society. If you do it, um, there will be a legal contract in place for compensation and for parental rights, if any. So it would be, you know, a, a legal situation and not a sexual situation. Would a surrogate have any rights? They don't in society today unless it's contracted. It, it, it would be no different. It would be a service situation. In today, like my cousins, um, they had a surrogate, and their birth mother doesn't have any rights because she didn't want any. She um, she had them a baby, handed it over in the delivery room, uh, him, it was a boy, and had no interaction with the baby in the hospital, left without even seeing the baby, and a couple of years later, they decided they wanted another kid, and 
they called her up and said, hey, you know, we're thinking about having another kid. And she said, I'd be happy to have one for you. And, and they did another contract. And so I've got a niece or a, a cousin. And, uh, I have two cousins that, that are both surrogate children, and their birth brother has nothing to do with them. And that's a situation that could easily develop in ties that bind. Surrogates are possible. The and it would just depend on what kind of situation they wanted. Like even, there could even be a situation where um, the baby, uh, like say for instance if Anne and um, Allison wanted to have a baby and um, Matt and Evan wanted to have kids too, they could get together and have a group contract regarding um, children and have children together without there being sex between them, you know, through insemination, and then raise the kids together as a family unit while not actually being, you know, involved with each other beyond having children together. Does that make sense? I hope so. But sur- but surrogacy would be negotiated, you know. And I think that if you're a surrogate, if you're in a situation in ties that bind, if you wish to be a surrogate for an, for another couple, you would go into it knowing what you would and would not accept contractually. And and that's no different than it is in today's world. Um, not not even giving the colostrum, Arlena. No, she had absolutely nothing to do with either one of the births. She gave birth to them naturally with no drugs. Did not want the baby. In fact, after the baby was born, she was moved to a non-maternity um, room. She didn't want to form any kind of attachment to the babies, both of them. So there was no breastfeeding or anything. And this is this is, this is my cousin's situation. You know, um, she's just I don't know. She she I think that my cousin said that she liked to be pregnant, but she wasn't interested in being a mother. <laughs> And they're actually considering a third baby. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Um, everybody's really happy with it, and there's been no legal issues. So I, I think it's a, you know, it's a good thing for all three of them. I mean, they wanted kids. She wanted to have a pregnancy, <laughs> but didn't want a baby. Colostrum, ever how you say it, C-O- L-O-S-T-R-U-M, is um, what a woman produces in her breast before, breast milk. It's first milk, basically, yes. And it provides immunities and even increases the likelihood that your children will not have allergies to, say, peanuts and milk. And it's, a, and it's actually quite thick and kind of nasty, and it smells, it's, it kind of smells terrible. So <laughs> that's just my experience with it. My my sisters had four kids and wasn't able to breastfeed any of them. It's it, it's not. Ugh. Anyways, <coughs> um, <laughs> so yes, so surrogacy would work the same way in ties that bind as it does in reality. It just it would depend on the individual and, and how it was decided. And family groups could easily come together if they have, you know two women and two men who are in relationships with each other and want to have a family together, they might come together and have children. Just like that might happen in Sentinels of Atlantis. I mean, it, it could easily happen the same way there. And, it, and it's even brought up. Um, Allison is think, you know, thinks about it when she thinks she's going to die and, and how she thought she might talk Chase Harris into giving her a baby. <laughs> 
because, you know, she's not going to get one from her from her sentinel. Um, so anyways. <clears throat> babies. I don't think I'd write babies in ties that bind. Or maybe even in Sentinels of Atlantis. And it's... <sighs> Did you notice that... Um, the sex got less frequent and kind of vanilla in in what might have been after Sebastian came along. It's a problem for me. It you know because the 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 sex was a little more frequent in what might have been before there was a kid in the house. And <laughs> so. And for fuck's sake, I don't know how anybody is going to have sex in Sentinels of Atlantis while they're on Earth with with the kid. With the kid. Because the kid can hear everything. The kid hears everything. Just imagine what he's already heard. Oh, my God. <laughs> Poor Andy. I, see, the thing is, is when, is, is when you have a child that, that young who can hear their neighbors two miles down the street banging. Yeah. So no, no. Um, I don't think I would write children in Two Ties That Bind or Sentinels of Atlantis um, any more than I already have. And because um, it just, it ruins the sex for me. I, I have a hard time with it. It's just, uh, I can't. I can't really explain it. Um, we're getting a biology lesson in the chat room if you're if, if you're in there. Uh, <clears throat> so I don't, you know, I I thought I did a whole hour for um, ties that bind, but I guess I really don't need it. Um, Andy would be exposed to anything that his white noise generator couldn't keep out, regardless. Whether it's the neighbor down the street whooping his wife's ass. I mean, he would be exposed to all of it. So it's, you know, it's an ugly situation for, for him to be in, you know, where because he's going to have um, all those experiences. And cause so... Starlight, you had a question about ties that bind. I will, I will wait patiently for it. One of the things I enjoyed about writing ties that bind was the sex, and it was I had a lot of freedom. <laughs> she forgot her question. That's okay because earlier I went to the kitchen, and I got all the way down to the kitchen, which is in the middle of my house. I'm on the third floor of, of my house, and um, and I went downstairs and into the kitchen to get. And to this day, to, the, to this moment, and this was like two hours ago, I still have no idea what I intended to get in the kitchen. I obviously didn't get it because I forgot what it was. And it was literally like a half a minute. I mean, 30 seconds between my office and the kitchen, and I already forgot what it was. And I haven't remembered. I'm never going to remember. It's gone. Boom. Da. 
anyway, beauty of of getting old, right there. That's 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 what I say. Um, I uh, I went to Kroger today, and I want to tell you about this. We're going to take a little subject break and have a little mini rant. I am the primary grocery shopper in my house. I don't take my husband because like that comedian lady, I have learned that you don't need to take a man to the grocery store if you can avoid doing so. Now, it's Memorial Day weekend in the United States, right? Isn't it? Um... We have a three-day weekend, and there's going to be, and I I live in the South, and there's going to be grilling and food, and um, the comedian, basically she says that she doesn't actually care what some product costs by the half ounce, because her husband is going through the store doing math instead of, like, putting shit in the cart. I said I took my husband to the grocery store. He was really upset to find out that bacon that, that the bacon that he really prefers and enjoys was five dollars and ninety six dollars five dollars ninety six cents a pound. He was he was quite upset by that. Granted, he didn't suggest that I get a different bacon. He just found it outrageous and proceeded to bitch about it for the whole hour that we were in the store. Right, right. I could have stabbed him by the time we got to dairy. Anyways, so here I am in Kroger, and it is full of people because I went on a fucking Friday at 6 o'clock. Don't ask me. I don't even fucking know. It was a bad idea. 536, who does that? People who are getting off work and idiots like myself. Okay. I actually prefer to go to the grocery store in the middle of the night. Actually, right about right now would be a a good time to go uh, because there's no idiots in there, and I can get my stuff, and there's nobody in there trying to talk to me or follow me around or thinking they're funny. Just, you know, none of it. Anyways, I had a monk moment. I couldn't help myself. I have an advanced form of OCD, and it comes, um, I've been medicated for it, basically, um, since my early 20s. And (coughs) I I took my medication today. I want you to know that. So I go into the store, and I pick up something, and it's past the expiration date. And, of course, I can't put that back on the shelf because no. So I put it in my cart so that I could give it to somebody later. And I go out my business, and I find another product that's past its expiration date. Chicken. I put it in my cart so I can give it to the person, right? Okay. Um... I look at the expiration dates for everything I buy. Every single thing I buy. This was a Kroger. <clears throat> I want to I want to say that I got kind of um out of hand 
and I ended up pushing like a cart that was like one third full of stuff that was expired up to the front of the store, and I asked for a manager, and I, I, I was in the meat department, and I have a real problem with that, and people who don't pay attention or people who are old and can't read the expiration dates, it makes me really upset, and some of them expired yesterday, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when it expired, okay? So I go up there with the stuff, and I said, and I asked for a manager, so a manager comes over, and I said, look, I don't mean to be an asshole. I said, wait, no. Let me take that back. I'm usually an asshole. So, just so you know, everything in this cart is expired. You see that dressing? It expired in February. Now, I know there are people in the store right now who have things in their cart that's expired because they don't pay attention and they don't look. And some of them can't read the goddamn print on these things because it's so tiny. Now, my question is, do you not have people who, who are stocking that actually knows what an expiration date is? Or is this a situation where some members of your staff have created a cult dedicated to killing practically everybody in our area with food poisoning? She apologized to me for finding all those expired products, and she offered me a coupon you know, for like $50 off my grocery bill. And I said, I would love to buy groceries here because I'm here and I don't want to go to the fucking store. But the problem is, is I doubt I could find 50 bucks of stuff in the store to buy that hasn't fucking expired. But I did take the card because it's, it's good at the other Kroger. So I get in my car and I go to Target and I buy my stuff. What choice do I have? at this point because I can't I can't shop there. It's bad enough that, that they changed their their shit around. And I hate that. I hate when the stores rearrange their stuff. It really upsets me because I have a I have a method. I have a method. So tomorrow I'm, t- I'm taking my, my gift card to the other Kroger to to see how their expiration dates are. Um and when I got home I I wrote Kroger headquarters um a very long note and um, included the pictures I took from my cell phone. Because don't think I didn't take pictures. I took pictures. I took like 40 pictures. And included them in the email I sent. <laughs> Corporate. <laughs> I'm probably going to be banned from that store. There'll be a Polaroid of me from the video camera. I don't know. I don't care. Fuck that. It, it just, it, it makes me insane. It, it it makes me insane. And I remember there was this commercial for Mark, the, the TV show, where the character went around the um, store. And he had a buggy load full of stuff, and I felt like him, and all of it was... And see, the thing is, is I have several Krogers near me that are great, and this one, which was closer, is not so great, and so I won't be going back there. But it pisses me off, because I shouldn't have to put this much effort into getting goddamn groceries. It, it really shouldn't be, you know, seriously... Seriously, it shouldn't be this much of an effort. I even found expired soup. Do you know how long it takes for soup to expire? Soup has a shelf life of like five fucking years. You know what it is. It's these assholes. 
it's these asshole stalkers who, instead of fronting products, they just shove products to the back and put the... And then some responsible person comes along and fronts the product and puts the new stuff in the back, and then everything in front's expired. That's what happens. That is what happens. It is annoying. It annoys the shit out of me. I don't even have this kind of problem in Walmart, and that's where you expect. That's where you expect there to be a problem. Yes, some canned goods have a very short shelf life, and some cans will last through the apocalypse, okay? It just depends. So, it really sucks because I had picked out this awesome watermelon, and I couldn't even buy it because I, just, I couldn't buy anything in the store. I I was ruined. I never had a problem with meat from Walmart. That's being mentioned in the um, in the chat room. I actually um, my closest Walmart has a great produce apartment, produce ugh, a produce department. They have great fruits and vegetables, and the meat always looks great, and the expiration dates are good. And um, so you know, it's just. I'm annoyed. The the, the whole thing was annoying. And then, you know, going to Target, I went to Target, and and then I had to go to another store because Target didn't have all the crap that I wanted. So I ended up going to three fucking stores, and it's, I shouldn't have to do that. I should not have to resort to shit like that just to get groceries, okay? Anyways, I have lost my studio. Okay, there we go. Uh... I'm going to move on from Ties That Bind because I think that I don't have anything else to talk about. Did I get everything on my list? As a matter of fact, I did. It just took me two stores. Three if you count the one I had to leave. I had to evacuate. Inkwave had a question. What's your question, Inkwave? We have a Whole Foods and a Trader Joe's, and we have a Earth Fair, and we have a Fresh Market. How does dynamic affect kids in high school? Do they account for it? I think that um, since dynamic is so closely tied into sexuality and ties that bind, that yeah, it's going to come into play. It's, it's going to be an issue. Um, there will be, you know, Situations where dominance butt heads, and situations where you know ab- ab- where where abuse can happen because you saw that in um, I see bathrooms and ties that bind unisex. I don't see a separate bathroom for different genders. I I really don't. In ties that bind, Rodney was. Um, bullied and abused in high school and shown a videotape of rape by a dominant trying to play some weird game with him. (laughs) Samuel tends to talk about awkward boners everywhere. I don't 
think so, actually, because um, 99% of the population don't find pissing sexually attractive or anything else that might happen in a bathroom. I've been in unisex bathrooms. I've never encountered an erection in one. I mean, maybe I'm alone in this, but maybe erections happen in men's bathrooms. I don't know. And Allison did meet in high school, yes. That's kind of like something that I did... Um, you know, it just—I don't know. It just—it it just seemed like the thing to do, everywhere, not just in bathrooms. I think that in ties that bind because um, sexuality is not taboo. Sex is 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 not seen as something shameful to be hidden away. That um, it would be. I think most of the time, we have issues with sex ed and um, birth control because these people are afraid of sex. They're just afraid of sex. I think bathrooms are unisex and, and, and without any issue with orientation at all. They're just what they are. Um, I think that you... Inkwave asked me, how did kids learn about dynamic... Dynamic isn't a secret. It isn't something that, you know, it's kind of like it's there. It's always there. It's in every part of their life. They're going to see it every day. They're going to see colors on people, on one of their parents. They're going to see it everywhere. It's going to be on TV. It's going to be in their cartoons. It's going to be in Disney movies. It's going to be everywhere because it's their normal. It's just what's normal for them, and it's everywhere. And for the record, Beauty and the Beast, Belle's definitely the dom. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> In ties that bind, a lot of emphasis seems to be placed on physical attractiveness. What about those who aren't? Um, people who have birth defects that aren't fixable and do they detract from physical appearance? I think that uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I believe that um, across the board. I populated ties that bind with attractive people because they're people I find attractive. Every single person that I've cast into in ties that bind is, is is someone I find attractive across the board. Because it's something it's 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 my fantasy world and it's where I'm playing. Um even the bad guys are attractive to me in some way or another. It's just you know, it's just the way it is. Um but in reality, the spectrum of attractiveness would be huge. And what you find attractive, I might not find attractive at all. So, and, and there would be room for all of that in ties that bind. Um, would, I think that one thing that would be taboo when I, when I consider it would be plastic surgery especially in submissives because that would be considered 
body modification. And a lot of DOMs would find body modification on that level extremely offensive. So plastic surgery might be uh, a, a bit of a taboo in ties that bind. You wouldn't be seeing a lot of fake breasts, especially not in um, submissives. You're not going to see um, nose jobs and implants and, and collagen or um, Botox because all those things would, would be considered body modification. And that kind of permanent body modification would be a turnoff. What does the term ugly hot mean? So ugly they're hot, that doesn't make any sense. I think that when it comes to birth defects and stuff, that kind of correction, um, if possible, would be um, very commonplace. Practically a, uh, a given. Because it is a society that uh, two people in ties that bind are in a dom-dom relationship are in same orientation relationships seen in the same way. Um, I don't understand what you mean. Same-sex relationships are in the recent past. I don't understand what that means either. Um, <clears throat> you're you're going to have to uh, rephrase that, Starlight, because I'm not, I'm not sure what you mean. <clears throat> uh, Sydney and Mason Blank, Blake are in a dom-dom relationship, and they often share a submissive um, when, it, when it strikes their fancy. And, and, and eventually one of them will call her a submissive that, that they will share permanently. And um, is, it, is it considered too weird, weird for two doms to be um, together? No, it, it's not. It's, it's whatever floats your boat. And for some doms, topping another dom would be a kink. It would be a fetish and something that that no not at all it it wouldn't be considered aberrant as far as sex goes and ties that bind and sexual fetishes as as long as no one is being damaged by it emotionally or physically no one's going to give a shit it might be oh you know well you know Colonel Shepard only likes to fuck men and it would be like kind of cute, but not like ugly. And John did not top Sumner. Sumner topped John. That's a big distinction. Keep that in mind. Uh, <clears throat> I know I'm right. I am right. John submitted to Sumner. And so, but it's not uh, considered taboo or aberrant or weird or, or, or anything like that. People wouldn't look down on it. Um, it would be a, a, a quirk of their dynamic, you know, is a, um, it would be just, it's, it wouldn't be considered a big deal or taboo or weird. I mean, even in some situations, I can see two doms marrying each other just, just to provide a, a life partner 
for them. And no one would consider that weird or terrible or horrible or something to be protesting against. It would just be what they do. And people, in, in the ties that bind universe, people tend to stay out of other people's business when it comes to that kind of thing as long as there's not some kind of perceived abuse going on. And so, you know, John had to submit some summon training at times. Yes, John submitted to uh, Philippe Dubois. Um, he did not submit to Dr. Raja, not sexually. Only in um, their head game. That was all head game. Um, but but there's a difference. <laughs> There's a discussion about John's submission to Sumner in the chat room. And it was about comfort and respect. And also, John and and Marshall met as equals on that bed. You know, when a dom takes a submissive to bed, there's a responsibility that, that the dom has to the submissive. But when they take a, another dominant to bed, they are equally responsible for the sex and the pleasure that they create together. So in some ways, this was a experience for both of them where neither of them were required to have all of the power in the relationship. So it was ultimately very comforting to them both. So the only true dom-dom pair in Ties That Bind is Sydney and Mason. That's the only dom-dom pair you've seen in Ties That Bind. Yes. And and they are paired together, and, and, and eventually they will, you know, like I said, find a submissive that they'll, they'll share. And they might eventually end up marrying each other, and, and, and it will be perfectly okay and fine. Um, did I miss any questions? Azura got icy hot in her eye, for those of you listening on the podcast. I've had that experience. It was terrible. It was a no good, bad day. Inkwave asks, is body modification a kink, like a tattoo? I would think absolutely that it's a kink because John really, really, really enjoyed um, piercing Rodney permanently. He really enjoyed that. But yeah, yeah I mean, it could be considered a kink. Absolutely. And that's why I think plastic surgery would be frowned upon um, because that kind of body modification in ties that bind is outside of a relationship is taboo. I mean, like if the dom said, hey, you know, I want you to have bigger tits and the submissive doesn't have a problem with it, she go get some done. That's different. And, of course, there's um, the sub that John and Rodney see in the club who's been castrated by his dom. I think that Barbara asked about whether it was a physical or that it just because Rodney submitted to it for him. I think John really enjoys body modification because he brings up the fact that he's pierced several of the men under his command. So that's a kind of a kink for him. He he enjoys doing it. And it's not just about submission. It's about marking somebody else's body in a permanent or semi-permanent fashion. 
and having that person think about you every single time they see that mo modification, no matter what it might be, it makes you a permanent part of their of their psyche, really. You know, if you see a piercing every day that somebody did for you in, in an intimate situation, or a situation just where, with, like with Bates, when Bates, you know, basically spread his legs for John and, and let John put a, a Jacob's ladder on him, that's a very intimate piercing, and he's letting his commanding officer do it. He spread his legs open and, and let John manipulate and pierce his body. And so every single time he touches that piercing, he's going to think about John. So there, whatever that may, whatever that may be. So body, so um, that kind of um, modification can be very intimate, even if you don't have an intimate relationship. Um, I don't actually show. John doing um, Bates Ladder. It was done before they went back to Earth when, um, during the first year they were on Atlantis. Um, but Rodney, men but John mentions it to Rodney, and Rodney has heard about this piercing on the city because subs have talked about it. I can see it being very intimate and in in an intense power exchange between the two doms because. It's a it's a very intimate and very painful piercing to, um, to have done. So I can see that being a very uh, unique experience for for Bates. <coughs> um, sorry, I got a little dry throat there. There are scenes that take place off off stage, so to speak, that are mentioned in passing because, like Priya says, that they're not important enough to read in detail, but they add to the character. They add a uh, they just add to the character in a good in a in an interesting way. The Jacob's Ladder is a, is a penis piercing, by the way. You can look it up on um, on Google, or if you're in the chat room, uh, Lady Holder has added a link for it. <laughs> it's pretty graphic. It's a pretty graphic image, just for your FYI. And if you, and if you do Google this later, um, when you're listening to the podcast, d don't Google it in public, because you're going to get a lot of pictures of dick. A lot of pictures of dick. Keep that in mind. I do add these little details to add depth to the story and to, and to give the characters dimension. And I talked about that when I was talking about building fictional people. When you allude to events that the reader doesn't see, but that the character experience is, it, it gives your character a, a history and a past that's both a little mysterious to the reader and also interesting because you can you know picture all these scenes that John has with these different people on Atlantis through the year that you don't get to see in the story and and how they came together and so that when John returns to the city and all the military assets basically everybody in the city turns to him for support and um 
and leadership, you realize that whatever crucible these people have gone through together, they came out on the other end very strong. Um, there was a question about my new casting on Ties That Bind. I, do, I did add some new people. Um, I put a picture of Danny Williams up because Danny is in Tsunami Bomb that's, that Senna wrote, and that's, that's connected to Ties That Bind through my universe. And Danny will make an appearance in the final story for the Stargate arc. I'm not sure if he will be alone or if Steve will come with him. That's a question I'm going to ask Senna later. Uh, I also put Spencer and... Um, Aaron Hotchner up because they've they've already appeared in uh, ties that bind and Spencer will and and they'll both appear in the final part as well. I also added two courtesans and one is an older who who I've cast as Helen Marin and the other is Monica Bellucci. I've put up these courtesans including Danny and Spencer because they will all be showing up in the, in the final part of Ties That Bind. So I want to give them faces because um, I think it's important for the reader to to imagine who I'm imagining um, in these scenes because they're going to be um, really powerful, unexpected scenes, scenes that you might not see coming. I I love Helen Mirren. I, I think she's beautiful. Um, she's very powerful, and um, I I love her quiet strength, and I also love her not-so-quiet strength. And um, Has any lady looked hotter with a gun in her hand ever? I don't think so. I, I really don't. Really don't. Um, so, yeah, I put her in there as a courtesan, but she's more than a courtesan. She's a switch. She's a marked courtesan who's a switch, and she... Um, is quite a badass. She really is. Um, I love the movie Red. I especially love, love her big gun in Red. You should watch it just for the big part with the big gun. Because if you haven't seen that, um, damn, you're missing out. Uh, <clears throat> Marco Belushi is a courtesan, and she's a submissive. And But all of these, um, submiss- these courtesans are important because there's going to be a moment when... Antoine Devereaux gets a lesson in house politics that he never saw coming. And my husband is scratching on the door like a creepy person in a horror movie. Like, I'm not on the fucking internet talking to strangers and people I know. And I'm be on iTunes tomorrow and you're scratching on the door like a, like a creeper. I told you not to be creepy. Anyways, where was I? Damn it. Oh, anyway. Um, Antoine Devereaux's ex- existence in Ties That Bind is, he's hes very isolated in his house. He, he really has no concept of the greater picture of the Desaudet, of the Desaudet Institute. And, he, and in his isolation, he feels like he's important. And he's going to learn that he's not. And he's and and he's going to learn that there's more power in the house that than the peer board, or Kyle, or Gerard, that that the true power in their house are the courtesans, and they are the only people in the house that can mark 
anyone, including Adam from their own house, as untouchable in the bad way. They can ban anyone from the house. That's the power of a courtesan. And they're treating one of their own, and Antoine Devereaux is treating one of theirs like a slave. And it's not going to go over well for him at all. So and that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm really excited about writing it. I, I think it's going to be a great deal of fun. Um, right, they are treating him like a piece of property. They are treating Rodney like um, he doesn't have any rights or any say in, in what's going to happen. And he's going to give them all a lesson in um, what it means to be a courtesan. Because I don't even think Gerard really um, understands what it means as far as the bylaws of their house are concerned. Um, will there be more of the TTB verse after this chapter? Not in Stargate, um, at least not right now. Um, I'll be moving to Criminal Minds, where I'm going to pair Aaron Hotchner and Spencer Reed together for um, that arc of, of Ties That Bind. Um, I think that will be a lot of fun. Um, I expect to really enjoy it. I would also like to do a Ties That Bind um, spinoff of the Harry Potter world. <laughs> I think that would be really fun. <laughs> I could really enjoy that. Because I'd like to write a, f a female submissive um, as a main character, and Hermione really appeals to me for that. Um, so I would, I, I would like to do that as well. Uh <clears throat> I don't have any kind of um, time frame on it. I don't do it to myself anymore. When you give yourself deadlines, you just create stress for yourself. So I don't give myself stress. I have enough from outside sources without adding to it to myself. And we're going to move on to Lantean Legacy. We're, we're, we're moving into the second hour. And Lady Holder has been on um, hold for me. And so, and because Lantean Legacy is um, also uh, something that uh, she's heavily involved in, she's going to be talking with me about Lantean Legacy. And um, be prepared for spoilers, because every time we discuss Lantean Legacy, we end up plotting book five, even though I haven't written book two yet, and book three needs it better, and, and book four is half done. I'm just saying, just, just be prepared. And so if you don't want to hear any spoilers about what could, may happen in Lantean Legacy, you might want to turn the podcast off right now. Okay. <clears throat> Lady Holder, you're on book the air. Five, I noticed. Book five. Ah, yes. The, the, the thing that, that we keep getting stuck back into. Oh, yes, book five. No, seriously. We once tried three different times to plot book two and ended up plotting book five. It was more interesting. <laughs> and we still haven't gotten book two plotted. No. And, and no. It, I might no. skip it. I might skip book two. I told you to do just, that a couple of months ago. I just don't I see it. I just, I, I just don't see it happening. Um, when I first started Lantean Legacy, when I first started Lantean Legacy, the the question I asked myself is, what would have happened in the what might have been universe if Rodney had gone to Atlantis? 
it would have been Rodney wasn't at the SGC. And if Rodney wasn't at the SGC, who else isn't at the SGC? Where is Jack O'Neill? And I I looked at canon events for this, and so Jack's not in the SGC, um, and things are very different. Basically, basically seasons um, uh, eight, nine, and ten actually happened in a lot of ways. Mhm. Yeah. So we got. Landry, but there are things that are the same, like mm-hmm. um, because what I did do. Um, so in like ninety five percent of the fact, what might have been Atlantean legacy are mirror universes of each other. Um, they are. And that eventually Jack and Sam will get together. They aren't together uh-huh. yet in um, Atlantean legacy, but they will be. Um, yep. How come Jack's clone has a different name in the two universes? Well, for the same reason that. Rodney is on Atlantis and not on Earth because it ripples. When you make changes in a universe, lots of different things happen. Number one, the person who did um, all of Jimmy's identity back work isn't on Earth. Mm-hmm. She's on Atlantis. No. She's married to Radek Zelinka. Yes. So somebody it else was Nico who did all the created... So somebody else created the clone's Nathan. background and name and not Miko. So it makes all these things change, and it makes things different. <coughs> and not just that, guys. For all we, you know, for all we know uh, Jack O'Neill, the clone, had two names, you know, Jimmy and Nathan, and a quarter, and went flip, you know. <laughs> but so you know because because Miko's not there, um, because Rodney's not on Earth, the Asgard haven't really been back as much. Because in what might have been, the Asgard were back and forth to Earth because of Rodney. They they were very interested in him and his ideas, mm-hmm. and Thor was especially very interested in Rodney. So because Thor isn't on Earth a lot, lots of things didn't happen or happened differently. And so everything comes into play when you change one or two little events. Mm-hmm. And in what might have been, Rodney stayed on Earth because he had a very good relationship with his sister and he was worried about her. And he wanted to keep her safe. In canon, we don't even find out Rodney has a sister until they're stuck in Atlanta, um, uh, Pe- Pegasus. Um, Starlight uh, asks, is the heart attack uh, Thor saved Ronnie from the same heart attack Allie and Theseus saved him from with nanites? I think Absolutely. so. Absolutely. That was the yeah. first, um, that was my first hint to the reader that you're reading a mirror of what might have been. Mm-hmm. And if you go back through Lantine Legacy, you'll find them kind of, pushed in there every Pepper. once in a while. And and the heart attack is the first one. And um or the first one that I consciously remember doing. It just um mm-hmm. because it had to be there. And then when you know Nathan's arrival, the clone to Atlantis is also a mm-hmm. a nudge that oh yeah. hey, pay attention. You know, 
And so every little bit of it is a nudge to remind, to kind of push the two together but separate. And so what that means for Lantean Legacy, yes, there is a Sebastian Shepherd. Matt and uh, David are on Earth with their father. Yeah, and every time we bring up Sebastian, we end up plotting book five. In book so that's five, the problem. Pop. Yeah. <laughs> book five. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's let, let, let's go back to book two real quick because there was there was a comment in there uh, on the chat room about somebody wishing we could do book two. Part of the problem with book two is um, when Lantian Legacy it. was handed to me. Yeah, that too. When Lantian Legacy was handed to me, um, I actually got handed one and two. So I read both, fell in love with both, wanted to, to adore both, but I had to edit or, or beta book one first. Lishino obviously makes sense because, hey, book one. So I did that. Um, Chris did her part, and we handed it back, and it came back around for another beta, and lo and behold, there were things added to it, lots of things. And yeah, like 20,000 words. Lady, yes, the tea lady was not added to the, the book. Leave it, guys. Um <laughs> What ended up happening is one of the characters who was firmly in book two was added to book one. And mm-hmm. so that kind of invalidated book two in a, in a way that, well, um, you know what the problem is? This is the problem. This is the problem. <laughs> I could rearrange that part. The problem is Chris. This is the problem that Chris created for me. Because Chris is an excellent beta, and she asks amazing she questions. Is. And book one takes place, and book two starts a full year after book one ends. Mm-hmm. So when I've got book two and we're getting ready to beta it, the first question that Chris asks is, well, what happened in the middle? What mm-hmm. happened between and and how and how did this happen and, and 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 how did Rodney and John end up sharing a room and and did they get married and then she had all these questions and then yes I realized there, that the book were... two that I had Chris wanted to be book three because <laughs> book uh-huh. two was all the questions that Chris wanted answered I mean I wanted and to I answer agree. but I kept trying to plot it. And Lady Holder agreed, and I kept trying to plot it, and I kept trying to write it, and it never happened. And I think it's because I, I wrote... I going to book five. Yeah, that, that too. And I originally, <laughs> when I wrote them, I wrote book one, two, three, and most of four, like in I never one got, big thing. Yeah, no. I never got book three and four. I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm, I'm starting to You've twitch, but seen no, book it's... three. You've seen book three? Uh, okay. Yeah. I have to look. There is a book four, but it's really rough. It's more like a pl- outline. Um, it's a guideline, really, a guideline. Okay. Um, anyways, and so I <clears throat> decided to make my original book two, book three, and then write a book two. And that's where we've been stuck Which ever I, since. Yes, and we've talked about it. The problem it and... also became is that I – anticipated writing a book two, so there are things that I put into book one that would play into a book two that I have not, in fact, written. 
So I can't do a book three, which is already actually written. It just needs to be beta and, and tweaked a little bit here and there. Um, so basically I'm screwed. It's very frustrating. I just, for some reason, I just can't write book two. So I might skip it. I say oh, no, they're, 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 they would have to be in, in chronological order, which means if I skip book two and go ahead and, and, and make book three book two again, um, there won't ever be a book two. You know what I mean? That, that well, mystery book that in between them won't, won't ever exist. Mm-hmm. Part, part, of, part of the thing that, that uh, Chris and I both wanted was a certain duo um, we needed an explanation for them, all right? And they were plopped down in what was the book two. Right, and, and that we actually is on Evil Author Day. Evil Author Day, mm-hmm. um, when John and Rodney come back to Earth, in that excerpt I have on Evil Author Day, one of the things that you see is Ronan and Tear. And they're mm-hmm. acting as Rodney's bodyguards. And you get... and, and there's a, there's a throwaway line about how Rodney saves them, and they pledge their swords and lives to Rodney. <laughs> yes, and it was. It was. I had that line. line in there, and then Lady Holder and Chris both like jumped on it and demanded this huge explanation. Sorry, not. So sometimes you <laughs> write a single sentence. You write a single sentence, Hi. and what comes out of it is. Amazing. Yep. Back to that thing I yeah. said about little moments and big moments in um, in your stories. And sometimes you can tell an entire novel with a single sentence. Yep. By the way, the link for that particular evil author day is up in the chat room. And you have to be Kira's friend to get into it. So um, for anyone who's yes, in there and Starlight, Kayla is in what might have been on Earth, and she's a thousand, a thousand in Atlantean legacy. Again, it's just a ripple. It's just a change. And mostly it boils down to the fact that um, I don't think I could write them in Pegasus without Kayla. It's weird. Mm-hmm. But there are parallels across the board when it comes to what might have been Atlantean legacy. In what might have been, Taylor is Earth-born. Mm-hmm. That's where she's always been. Uh, if you don't write book two now, now, uh, will that affect reading book three? Um, book three that I remember it was, yeah, it was very self-contained. It worked very well in and of itself. And for the most part, I didn't have any problems like, with it. You'll be pissed because you missed the wedding. You won't see Miko's mm-hmm. birth. That too. Nope. But you will be her awesome kid. Yeah. Stuff like that. You know, it's just, um, <clears throat> Lantean Legacy Part of- was in my head always a mirror of what might have been. So all the characters that you see mm-hmm. in what might have been will show up in Lantean Legacy, sometimes in different places with different personalities different lovers yes because um different in, lovers um, um different situations yeah. because in what might have been David ends up with Jennifer Keller in Lantean Correct. Legacy this is a spoiler 
David ends up with Jeannie Miller. Mm-hmm. In what might have been, Caleb Miller is killed in a car accident. In Landing and Legacy, he is an asshole who tries to sell his kids to get leverage against Rodney. Spoiler. Yep. Yeah. And if I, in if what I might have been, correct. Keller isn't on Atlantis in the original. Is she? She's on Atlantis. Keller is no, still on she Earth. Wasn't, she, mm-hmm. Yes, in what might have been, Jeannie and Raddick are together, but they aren't married. Because not, not every yet, relationship ends in marriage. Well, they, they might not ever. Because, you know, not, not, every, not every romance is going to end up in, in, in marriage. True, true. And it's not like Jeannie isn't severely burned by by her um, previous relationship. So, yeah. And yeah, we'll see how that goes. Keller was on Atlantis um, in what might have been in, in their aborted second year. Um, she is not on Atlantis in Lantean Legacy. No. But she is on Earth, and she probably, she probably will make an appearance that way at the SGC. So what to keep in mind is that all the characters that are in what might have been will eventually show up in some way in Lantean Legacy, and that includes Declan Frost and Sean. Mm-hmm. And, um, Which we plotted. And wasn't that one a twist on, on the normal? So, Yeah. <laughs> Um, and you know, and Sam and Jack will end up together again in in Lantean Legacy. Um, I actually prefer that pairing. It's it's my um, if I have an OT pair, um, an, an OTP in um, Stargate SG One, it's Sam and Jack. It's just mm-hmm. I write Sam and Daniel as fan service to you guys. I don't actually ship it at all. I have never shipped Jack Daniel. Um, in fact, confession, I think it's kind of creepy. So I'm not ever going to write sex for it. And I don't know why it's creepy and Sam and Jack isn't because their age difference is the same. I don't know why. I think it's because in SG-1, Jack treats Daniel so much like a son the same thing can be yeah, said it, uh, for a couple other things that are paternal. that are running around. It is very paternal. It's what I see. Um, I paired Sam and Daniel together in Sentinels of Atlantis just for expediency, just because they were there and I, I needed a pairing, mm-hmm. and, and and that worked. And I, and I, and I wanted Sam to be the Sentinel, and I wanted her to be a little put off and a little damaged by Daniel ascended, uh, ascending, and I thought that would be, you know, mm-hmm. a, a great way to, to look at that. Um, it was very interesting to, to do that, and especially in that last part of Sentinels of Atlantis where I talked about where I kept moving around to different people, you know, and the teams and, and where they were, and mm-hmm. who do I see for Daniel? Um, I actually prefer the series casting um, when I write, but um, I really enjoyed um, Spader in, in in the movie. I don't particularly like Daniel. Honestly, I do, but that's, you know. <laughs> I don't like him. It could be because, I, I don't know, I just don't. He's, he isn't my favorite. 
Um, I made her a fucking bitch and ties it fine, and now you hate her. Here's the thing. I literally flipped a coin. In ties it bond. Coin flip. Um, here's what I knew. I knew that I needed a bad guy that Rodney was married to that made him miserable. I had a couple of choices. Jennifer Keller was not among them. No, I um, can't really. I mean, human nature is about as evil as I've seen her be. <laughs> Um, I, cause she's just not, I don't see the actresses being able to pull off being a doll. Um, no, at all. Uh, I, uh, so Sam Carter being the bad guy in Ties That Bind was, was literally just because I actually really enjoy Carter's character. Uh, I like to write her. Um, I thought that the actress could pull it off, could mm-hmm. pull off being that way, and that if I twisted her um, canon just a little bit, that it wasn't even that um, out of character for her. No, it really wasn't. Because she is kind of arrogant. I actually do picture Daniel and Vala together. I love Vala. I think she's a fantastic character. That's why I paired Daniel and Vala together in in, in Lantean Legacy, and why I've hinted at it in in what might have been. Yeah, Vala, uh, to me, she, the, the most alive we ever saw Daniel after Shara's death was the, the scene on the Prometheus where he's getting the stuffing beaten out of him by Vala. Admittedly, it's Vala in one of those creepy, you know, super soldier uniforms, but still, he's, <laughs> he's having a damn good time. <laughs> and, I really I mean, enjoy the character of, of Vala, but... Um, I'm sorry that I tainted her, that Sam's character so much that you hate her because that wasn't my intention. I just thought that um, she'd make a very interesting and flawed bad guy, and she, and she did. And but um, I really, I'm not a Sam basher by nature, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think the actress who plays her is beautiful. I I really enjoyed the character herself, and. Um, I just think she's a very strong character, and that strength could easily be turned in an ugly way. And so it was really actually easy to do, to take her and just move her a little bit and make her so deeply flawed that what you got was the character, the character. And, and ties that bind. Um, yeah. But I, but I literally did flip a coin because I was actually at one point very tempted to um, make it Janet. But but huh. then I backed off that, yeah. And and then I had it being um, an OC um, military officer in the mountain, and so it it, it came round and it round and round. Yeah, which you know, that's how you 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 write and you decide and and figure out what actually works. Um, <laughs> The chat room just censored Riddick because it's Dick. <laughs> the Riddick oh series. That's God, fucking hilarious. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I did I, I did put Vala and Mitchell together in Sentinels of Atlantis because um, I fucking love Farscape. And I think that those two actors have so much chemistry. Mm-hmm. And so they uh, you just... That- 
It's yeah. really hot. They mesh on a level that carried up. It, it carried over um, from their yeah. time on Farscape, which was fun. You can um, you can tell the, they really enjoyed being with each other. You know. Yes. And so yeah, which it was very easy to put useful. them together in Sentinels of Atlantis. And I think that all told, they had the most powerful relationship in Sentinels of Atlantis to have gone through what they've mm-hmm. gone through and come up the come other together side. the way they did. And, and, and love each other as, as as much as they do. It's awesome. It's it's really amazing. Mm-hmm. You know. And at the heart, anything I write, it's about love. Because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, that's just what I do. Yeah. Speaking of love <laughs> and, and me being an absolute screaming bitch, um, I made Kira cry. Now, I will admit this was not my goal. It happens. Uh, my goal was, Sometimes I get weepy, I know. but I am PMSing. Okay, I'm really surprised you didn't come murder me then. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So what I actually had done was I had heard on the radio, I Choose You by Sarah Borella, which is an absolutely gorgeous song um, that I adore the hell out of. And I, I saw it, I, or I, I heard it, I went, okay, that is uh, Theseus and Allie, because um, they, in a lot of ways, chose to be together. And, you know, then, of course, I get told that I made, you know, my best friend cry, and I was all sorts <laughs> of, you know, for a split second, I was deeply sorry. Well, if your best friend can't make you cry, then who can? Right? I don't know. It's just, yeah. And the link is in the, the, the chat as well. Um, um, <laughs> apparently I did it to a couple people. All right. I would say me. that the that the um, the relationship between Theseus and, Atlant- and Atlantis is um, by far, even though the fact that neither one of them are human, is the most romantic that I've ever done. It's beautiful, mm-hmm. really. And it, and it, it wasn't it even is. on purpose. It, it, it wasn't a pr- on purpose originally, because originally, um, in the first draft, Theseus didn't exist. So when I put Theseus in there in the second draft, and um, Chris and Lady, Lady Holder got it, I got a phone call from one of them. Well, Chris is in Australia, so she wasn't getting any call. But, yeah, Lady Holder called me and goes, what? What is this? What? <laughs> mm-hmm. The idea of Theseus came from Farscape. And Moya. And Moya. Because in Farscape, yeah, if you've never is, watched it, their ship Moya is sentient. She's an animal, um, mm-hmm. a, a, a living creature who actually reproduces and, and has, has a baby. She, she's a living ship. Yes. And so I thought it would be fun to, to explore that concept um, with uh, Lantean Legacy, so I, I did. Mm-hmm. And um, I even mentioned um, the Avatar. They're a cult. Go ahead. I mentioned uh, Farscape in Lantean Legacy because Roddy talks about how he found it off-putting that how uh-huh. rough they were with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and they knew she was alive, and yet they still treated her the way they did. And he's right; it, it was very off-putting. You know, um, something else that was mentioned was the name of uh, Theseus' species, Leviathan. Yes, and. And that's what you um, are and, No, not at all. Uh, 
in, in Farscape, um, Moya is, is called a Leviathan, which actually means giant sea monster. So I uh-huh. went through um, some mythology, and um, I, I looked on Earth mythologies for Leviathans and um, Atlantis myths and gods, and Theseus is actually um, a titan, I think. Um, uh, I think and so. so. It was all kind of... It was it was it was a very organic process. Let's put it that way. Um, mm-hmm. I did a lot of research and I wrote things down, and um, and like Stargate, like mythology, you know, I I did too, just to give it some kind of um, mm-hmm. connection to uh, to Stargate. That's yeah. why I gave him the name Theseus. Yep, you know, I remember he exists in mythology. Up. I remember looking up a lot of the Titans um, when you were thinking about names, and we were backing and forthing it a lot. So right with Atlas, yeah, and um, Prometheus was another one, um, and a couple others. But Theseus ended up for, I think the, the the story behind him, and I don't remember what it was. But yeah, I remember doing all well, the Well, Theseus up. and Allie be super pissed in what might have been since everyone left them behind. That was a good catch, because uh, they do exist in, in what might have been. As mm-hmm. I said earlier, every character you see in one, you will eventually see in the other. Um, this, no. Um, Theseus will be angry on Allie's behalf, but they both knew there was no choice. Because if, this, it, if they hadn't left, what power they did have wasn't enough to maintain the, populace, the, the population and the city. There, there, right. there just wasn't enough power. And the only way to keep Atlantis without, I mean, they had to leave her to save her. Um, she mm-hmm. is sleeping. Sleeping. If I... Sort of. She's, um, she's in stasis, kind of like John was um, when when he went forward mm-hmm. in the future and he ended up in that um, pod. Um and she has, and she's had, and she has Theseus, so she's not alone. But she was very attached to the population, so she does grieve them. And so when she gets them back, mm-hmm. she's not going to be very willing to be parted from them. This is important to remember, because when they bring her back to Earth, she's going to be yeah. very attached to the Shepherd family, and that attachment, once she meets him, will extend to Sebastian, and it will be militant. In pretty much every way, she will consider Sebastian her child. That's a spoiler for Ring yeah. of Fire right there. <laughs> oh, yes. I remember hearing about bits and pieces of that one, too. Um, one of the, the, the pushing forward a little bit, one of the things that um, was a problem in, in the hashing out, does anybody remember when... Uh, Daniel in Lantean Legacy is sitting in the chair getting his um, his brain scan and then his improvement. Um, Vala is sitting there watching this and is not thrilled. And John, if I remember correctly, basically says that he's got a job for her later. And she kind yeah. of um, lights up about that. The way line that some, some commenter latched on to, and here's the thing, I I don't actually have sorry. a fucking clue what John <laughs> wants 
Vala to steal. I don't <laughs> even know what it could possibly be. I'm We've like, why the fuck did I write that? We once spent two and a half hours going through the canon of Stargate Atlantis trying to find something that she could steal. Why the hell would she steal a ZPM? They can make them. Yes. She doesn't need to steal one. The outpost on Earth doesn't fold down into something the size of a suitcase, a la the, you know, the Iron Man um, armor. It'd be nice, but it doesn't. <laughs> but I yeah. actually did have a what little bit it? of a... An epiphany the other day when I was in the shower, that happens, you know, epiphanies in the shower. Um, and I came upon something that I think that she might steal. Um, Go for it. And it will mean a trip back to Earth for her. Okay. So, because it Is crosses my mind. Good? It crosses my mind mm-hmm. that knowing them as we do, that there is no way that they let John leave Earth without providing some kind of DNA sample. Yeah. That's actually a lot more appropriate than some of the other things you were thinking about. And I had an epiphany about it. John does not know about Sebastian. John does not find out about Sebastian until Sebastian is 16 years old. And Sebastian has been basically been a hostage of the NID since he was eight or nine years old. Depending on, it will be, it will depend on maybe 11. It will depend on how long John's been gone from Earth because the NID found out about John, John's son about six months after John left the planet and told no one. Mm-hmm. They killed his mother and kidnapped him. And he has been in their custody ever since. And I'm patterning Sebastian after Jared from The Pretender, for, for those of you who have watched. They think they're building themselves a weapon. They are. They're oh, building man. a weapon. But the problem is, is he's also a shepherd. <laughs> so they don't really have so any well. clue what they're up against. And then they create a situation where he had been content to let them teach him things. He had been content to watch them and to learn what they do because he's a genius. And he'd been content with what they were up to as long as they didn't fuck with him. Well, they fucked with him. They fucked with him. On they fuck with him, and by the time his father gets yeah. to Earth, oh. the facility that he was in is a smoking crater. Both the Earth. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a spoiler, a little bit, a little bit. But um. Oh my. But also kind of a cock tease. So sorry about that. Um. Sebastian uh-huh. is, is 16, and so when the, the first time he meets his father, and he knows that John Shepard is his father, the first time he meets his father, he holds a gun on him. <laughs> Never let it be Because he's the not quite the sweet kid he is and what might have been. He's been, he's been, you know, Warp. he's 16 years old. He's a little mad. He's a little pissed off because the mm-hmm. NID made him mad, and he blew all that shit up. And um, and uh, there's some, and take you know. It, take it from me. What 
what we worked out for what Sebastian, the problem with Sebastian is um, the level of fuckery is extreme. It's a level 10 fuckery, guys. It's a level 10, okay? Um, no, he doesn't He does know eventually find out. He doesn't know in yeah, the beginning, no, but he does eventually find no. out. Allie will tell him. Allie, um, Allie will find out for him what, what happened to his mother. Mm-hmm. He knows she's dead, but he doesn't know that they were responsible. Because they've right. told him Thanks all the time bit. that they... No, no. In, in what might have been, it, it really was just a regular car crash. In Lantean Legacy, the NID sends an intruder into their house and shoots Karen, kills her. Mm-hmm. And then the NID rescues Sebastian from being yeah. a hostage. He's kidnapped from the house by this man. And then, and then agents from the NID rescue him and make him believe that, he, that, that, that they saved him. Yep. He eventually he learns more better than part. that. Yes, this is see, this is book five. This, this is what happens to us every single time. But anyways, <laughs> but I really ourselves back in book two. Yeah. So you know, yeah. what's going to happen is, is I'm not going to write book two. One day soon, I'm going to make a radio show called Lantian Legacy Book Two, and then I'm going to tell you all the shit that probably happened in book two, and then I'm going to put book three out. That's what's going to happen. Book two is going to be a fucking podcast. Let me catch up with it and so that way I can uh, join in because we'll I know the time. book two. Yeah. Yes, you guys. It's ridiculous. To to I'm just. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm. I'm really frustrated with the whole thing. I'm just to let you know. And also, and girls, this is just for you girls and boys who paint your toenails. Don't paint your toenails blue. I painted my toenails sky blue, and you know it has taken me two days to get this fucking polish off my feet. Yeah, and it's worse than, this is why you put down it's a worse base, than red nail you put polish. Co- you put a base coat down first, and then you put the blue on. I did put the base coat down. <laughs> Oops. Okay. This is worse um, than glitter, which we, is like the herpes of the nail polish world. Yes, and the craft table. Um, can we just I know. That's no. the problem. I can't write, wait to write book five. Sebastian escapes, and he isn't the only one that escapes the facility because he wasn't the only no. one they kidnapped. He has somebody else with him. Um, he also has we something want... else with him. Yes. Oh, you are going to um, include that. Okay. I am. I am. And okay. the something he has is what catches Atlantis's attention. And she yeah, minds the NID, and she finds out about Sebastian. And she loses her temper a little bit with John because she's <laughs> under the impression that he abandoned his offspring on Earth. So, And she's very attached yeah, to her own children. So once John calms her down and convinces her that he had no idea he had a kid, they mm-hmm. create a plan to go take the kid. And go get the kid. And it, yes. you know, everybody's mad. Everybody's pissed. And when they get there into orbit, they meet someone they never expected to meet. And how's that for a cocktail? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. The, the per- because Atlantis <laughs> um, isn't the only one who's been attracted by what Sebastian has. Somebody else. Yes has noticed this this thing on Earth, and he's coming for it, too. 
and it's taken him a while. It's not an instantaneous thing for him to arise. Um, right. One of the things one of the things I wanted to to obliquely ask. Um, one of the people who is with Sebastian is it still going to be uh, the character who's tied to Sam? Yes. Okay. Do we want to announce that one? Sure. Um, in Stargate Canon, there is a um, ancient who has a crush on Sam Carter, and yeah, that's putting he, it mildly. when the when the Ori plague comes to Earth, he gives up ascension to help the SGC um, solve the problem, but he comes back very young. And he comes and back when with he's, all the memories. And But when he's done, um, he's practically, um, Orlin, yes, he's practically yeah. brain dead um, mm-hmm. because he brought back everything back with him and his, and his human brain couldn't handle it. And in... SG one, they 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 never really go back to that character again. You 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 never see him again. So I took him, and um, he's a he's a boy at this point, and he ends up in a long care um, long care facility, and they don't notice when the NID take him. Nope. And they put Orland in a sarcophagus, and when he wakes up. He has no idea who he is, but he's normal. So they give him Ish. a name. Ish, yeah. They give him the name <laughs> that, you know, Sam gave him when they when they put him in a nursing home. Or whatever it was they put him in. And long term care facility. They start to teach him like they taught Sebastian. And yeah. what they do is they give Sebastian Someone to care about. An ally. Yep. An ally and someone to care about. And when you when you go from somebody who has nothing to care about to somebody who does, that changes you. And when you have somebody mm-hmm. to care about and that person is damaged or hurt, it can be very, very bad. So the yep. NID there was totally, totally no not a little brother figure, especially the imagination, no. because by the time they meet, they're both the same age. So, no, they're not, it isn't brothers, no. Sebastian falls in love with him eventually, and um, that's not what the NID wants, because they want to breed. Um, they want to breed uh, carriers. So they don't want yeah, either they, one of these boys to... falling in love with each other. And so um, when that happens, separation is in order, and separation gets them all killed, pretty much. So, yeah, that's, um, that, that's what's going to happen there. Um, and it'll be interesting. I... One of the, the things that, um, if I remember correctly, we also postulated that because of the training and how the NID is educating these kids who are ATA positive and, um, you know, you know, the, 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 
powerful in their own rights if they did the same level of meditation and the like that uh, McKay did in that one episode, they might unlock things. Well, and even if Sebastian doesn't, Orlin, and, 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 and he will have a different name because they named him something different. Um, and I forget which name I picked. It's, it's in my list. I'm pretty sure um, his last name was Jacobs. I don't remember the first name. I think so. Um, and I'm going to recast the actor to someone age-appropriate. Um, mm-hmm. But anyways... Uh, <laughs> Halftime, evil author spoilers, yes. And a little bit of evil author day, yeah, all mixed in there. Yeah. Uh, Azura, the, the, why did I make your mom laugh? Is she listening to us talk about stuff that... Oh, God, please, no. Well, um, I don't want to think of your mom listening to us. Okay. But then, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that I've got minions that are just as old as her mom. It's not that. Oh, it's, great. You know, she came back from Bible study to hear me talk about dick. Fabulous. And herpes <laughs> nail polish. That's that's fantastic. Yes. Literally. The, the herpes of the craft table. <laughs> it never goes away. No. Um... I work in an office environment. I have my cubicle, and people have been unkind and tossed glitter all over my desk for things like birthdays or, or holidays or whatever, and I clean it up as best I can. I, I move things, glitter everywhere. It's like, fuck. Yeah, good times. Um, Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but Lanty and Legacy... <laughs> so it has the potential to be so big. And, and the thing is, is that I told this, I feel like when I told the story of No Enemy Within, I told this big, giant story. But then I look at it, and it's only 66,000 words. And it's like the smallest thing on my website, practically, outside those one-shots. But the uh-huh. story feels it, so spent, big. Yes, and we spent months It's on very that tight. Thing. It's a very tight story. It, um, mm-hmm. It's tightly plotted, tightly written. There isn't a damn thing in it that um, isn't necessary, you know. A lot of times you put filler in stuff and you don't even mean to. Um, uh-huh. And it just, uh, your work becomes huge and ponderous in a way that you weren't expecting. I think that what might that what might have been is ponderous. Um, there are a lot of things I would cut out of it <laughs> that I won't. I, I won't. But that uh-huh. if I had never published it, um, and then was going to put it online, um, I think there are probably at least, I don't know, 80,000 words in what might have been that would have never made it to the website if, 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 I, if I was going to publish it in one go. There's just shit in it that you don't need, you know? But that, that, that's, what amazing, but you write, that's what happens when you write. That's what happens when you write. Go ahead. And something you enjoy. Um, Lancy and Legacy, one of the things that, that we found out about about it when um, or I found out about it as I was as I was doing the beta on it is it's um, you have to know where you are in it and, and what's going on and you know, because it is a mirror universe of what might have been, um, 
it was very interesting not getting everything mixed because it's two, it is two different worlds, and they both need to be respected as that. So that was an interesting change. Um, what would I cut from what might have been? Um, I'll, since this discussion is about Lantean Legacy, and I'm going to do what might have been in a couple of weeks, um, I'd like to wait until then to talk about it. But for the most part, um, scenes that aren't from John or Rodney's point of view, I would have probably cut. So if, you, so if you go back to it and you read any um, scenes where you don't, you're, you're not seeing it from Jean or Rodney's point of view, I would have probably cut it, which would have been basically <laughs> any scenes that are separate, like Matt and Cameron, um, any scenes mm-hmm. from Sebastian's point of view, uh, the scenes between um, Declan and Sean. Mm-hmm. Just, just stuff like that, um, because from a writer's perspective, they aren't necessary to the plot. No, because the they plot evolves around. Well, yeah, but it's 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 indulgent. It's it's not um it's not great craft. Okay, point of order. This no, this this is your fun time. This is your your happy place. You can go and be indulgent and not have to be tight and professional and, you know, you can, you can do all those asides that, that, you know, wander into the really sexy pairing of Sean and Declan or the really I know I can. I'm just saying of, that if I'd written it, if, if I'd never published yeah. any of it, you guys would have never seen those scenes because they, they wouldn't have made it out of beta. <laughs> yeah, the problem is, is we you, put that, some of that in because you we wouldn't? asked for it for sex. You wouldn't even know it was missing. You you guys never would have known. No point. Um, well, will we see uh, Quark in Lantean Legacy? Um, that link that I put up for the Evil Author Day um, bit, I don't remember if the, the story has it or not, but there's, and I think this is one spoiler I can get away with saying, um, Rodney and John have a very um, thorough uh, briefing and and connection or whatever to Earth technology at this point. They've been in and out of it for a while just because uh, Atlantis and Allie, she's got the the hook in there. She knows what's going on. So um, one of the things that happens is Rodney gets a cat. Uh, he gets one from a a shelter, if I remember correctly. Yes, he gets and one from a shelter. There's a scene where um, John and Rodney are separating, and John is talking about making sure that your you know whatever, whatever animal you get is fixed, so the people on Atlantis don't flip mm-hmm. out or anything. And then he has yes, to negotiate with Atlas for the for the travel of his cat because he's not going to be negotiating with their with their living ship about whether or not. <laughs> they can um, transfer this cat to Pegasus. And Rodney says if he was going to corrupt the Pegasus galaxy, he would do it with gay porn and and, and not... uh, Yes, he wouldn't do... Not not with a snotty dog. Because he's going to get Elizabeth a dog, too, while while, while, while he's on Earth. Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah, it's it's the, the... A little snotty dog and, you know, whatever type of cat that he gets. Um... So Quark, yes, will we'll yeah. make an appearance. Yeah. And 
my favorite scene is between Declan and Sean when uh, John gets promoted to general. Yes, that definitely was fun. That was a hell of a lot of fun. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see everything, but it was fun. You know, I, I thinking about it, I don't think the ancients would have had cats, so it's going to be interesting to see what Allie does with, you know, a cat. like A cat. Cat. Yeah, cat at all. Yeah. Yeah, so. I think that Cork will be very at home on Atlantis. I think he will find it very, um, very much in his, um, in his wheelhouse to be, uh, allowed to go wherever he wants and for doors to open for him automatically so he doesn't have to lower himself to do that shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when he wants to play, there'll be a laser pointer there whenever he wants it. Yeah. You know, I think the xenobiologists are going to be looking at him going, what the fuck did you bring home? <laughs> and you got this from Earth. So. <laughs> this is from yeah. Earth, right? Yeah. I can just see it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah um, you know, so we will see uh, here in in what might have been, mm-hmm. or in Ring of Fire, the sequel. Um, so that's uh, another thing to keep in mind. It's going to be interesting to see Tear again. Um, we'll see Quark uh, in the Lantian Legacy. We'll see David and Matthew. We'll see Jeannie. We'll see Madison. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see Patrick, of course. You've already seen him in, mm-hmm. in, in one of the EAD um, episodes. Uh and Patrick will end up, and I'm not sure if this is actually in the EAD or not, but he ends up with Elizabeth in this um, AU. Yeah. When in what um, might have been, if given the opportunity, if given the opportunity in, in what might have been, um, Patrick would have probably <laughs> put a bullet in Elizabeth's head. I mean, because he, uh, circumstances are different in, in, in what might have been, and, and he believes Elizabeth's responsible for the uh for the um torture of his son by race. Even mm-hmm. though that isn't necessarily true, you know. Even in Canon it it wasn't Elizabeth's fault, you know, but Patrick's kind of unreasonable. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, he it's not like the shepherds, you know, aren't unreasonable. And here's the link that has Shepard in it, and Elizabeth, I believe. In Lantian Legacy, in, in what might have been, Patrick is dating Caroline Lamb, but I don't think it's mm-hmm. a like I I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a permanent situation or a, she's not going to be Jonathan's stepmom. Let's put it that way. Well, he's definitely uh, attached to her, though. Yeah, but you know, yeah, there's all, men get attached. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's only two Lantian Legacy um, EADs, so I put both of them up. They're in, they're in the link. So, yeah, um, think, I mean, there's a lot of things that we're hinting at. There's a lot of things that we're talking around. Um, I'm gonna see. I mean, I, I know Chris and I will probably do our level best to get as much as can be moved from 
uh, book two into uh, what technically is book three, so it's all folded together and, you know, covers everything um, as much as we can convince Kira to do, you know, because we can ask. Yeah, because I, she's the I'm one a little stubborn. That's putting it mildly. Yeah. No, um, I was putting it accurately. I'm a little stubborn. You're little and you're stubborn. This is true. You are not a little stubborn. You Do not disparage my height on the Internet. Fuck you. I can't believe you brought that up. We can't, I'm Look, a little vertically challenged. You. Okay, and I respect you highly because you can sucker punch me and it hurts. And uh-uh, I don't, I don't screw with that. My mom is saying oh. it. All right. Oh, I, I had better. this awesome, I had this awesome scene idea. I don't know if it'll actually make it make it in the ties that bind, but I want to include it um, here. I I want to talk about it here. It's it's kind of a spoiler, but kind of not. I'm not sure if I'm going to add it or not. But I had this idea that Helen Marin's character, when she meets Devereaux, he disrespects her, and she's a widowed courtesan, and she still wears her collar, her dom's collar, and she's going to wear it the rest of her life. You know, and, and and even though she tops, that was because she's a switch. Anyway, he disrespects her and grabs her and gets a nine millimeter in his dick. She doesn't shoot him. She just a puts a nine millimeter in his crotch. Yeah, so to, to let him know that he's gone too far. It just popped into my head. Cause, you know, I love the idea of Helen Marion with a gun. So I don't know if I'm actually going to ride it, but it amused the shit out of me, and I almost died laughing. I was in my car. It was bad. So don't think about riding when, when you're driving sometimes because you could um, end up, you know, giggling and um, wrecking this car. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I that. want to include it. I'm not sure if the scene will make it to the final version just for pacing purposes, you know. I'm voting for it. I'm voting for it. <laughs> I'll try and remember that one. Yeah. So there, you know, there's there's a lot of things that it's going to be interesting to see what rolls through. Um, <laughs> and we will. This is fun. This is, I mean, it, it's making everything alive again, and things that were languishing are getting the attention and and the shot in the arm that I think they need. So Sometimes, you know, as a writer, just... sometimes as a writer, you get inspired to, to write something, and it's, it's so immediate in your face that you can't not write it. And sometimes you have these ideas, and you write them down for later, and no matter how ide- awesome the idea is, or how much you would enjoy doing it, you... There's no motivation there, you know. And the thing mm-hmm. is, I really enjoy Lantean Legacy, and I really enjoy um, the ideas that I have for it. But I'm also easily seduced. And I'm easily the, seduced by really by fandoms. And right now, I'm really. Um, interested and motivated by Harry Potter. And it and it's a problem mm-hmm. <laughs> for my Stargate fans. <laughs> my Harry Potter fans are happy. <laughs> my yeah. Stargate fans not so much. And I can't help it. It's, you know, you can't really help what inspires you, you know. And um, mm-hmm. 
So, so you just have to kind of work me through it, you know, and, and just bear with me because eventually I'll get tired of Harry Potter and I'll go back to Stargate because it's my go-to fandom. Um, uh-huh. I actually uh, have a couple of ideas for Stargate recently that I that I've written that I've put down in a notebook. So we'll see how that goes. And um, yeah, Star Trek comes and goes for me. The thing is, mm-hmm. I normally only write Harry Potter when I'm injured, so it's amazing that I've been, you know, so prolific at it. Let's and, put it uh, this way. The first, time, the first time she broke something, I didn't really find out that she'd broken something until I got this huge document in my, in my email. I broke yeah, something. Yeah, I sent her 100K of Birth of the Serpent King. <laughs> I said, hey, I, 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 I broke my foot, and here's a book. <laughs> I'm going, what? <laughs> Who? Because I hadn't been talking to her for a month. It's like, what the hell happened? You broke something and I get a book. Okay. And, and, and then there was that time that I thought I had breast cancer and um, disappeared for a while. And mm-hmm. and I, uh, then, you know, she got that old yeah, black magic in the mail. No, <laughs> no she didn't have my phone yep. number now. Now I can't hold up. But, you know, sometimes when um, I had a, I had a scare when I was very <laughs> yes, young. Yes, I did. And it was precancerous, and I had to have um, chemotherapy and stuff. And um, when I found another lump, it was a couple oh, of years please. ago. It really threw me for a loop. It, it, it threw me mm-hmm. in a very bad way. And um, but uh, and you know, you try to be a badass. It doesn't always succeed. And and then you know, last year when I found when I found the other lump, I was a real badass about it. I mean, the whole, the whole time, and everybody kind of expected me to go, you know, off my sh- shit again, but I didn't because I own seconds. that problem yep. like a boss. And anyways, we have to go because we're out of time. I'll see you guys next week. Yep. Same time, same place. See you guys. Shut up and sit down. Five hundred vehicles to sell. Five hundred ways to save. One month only at Build Penny Toyota during Mega Memorial Month. Now through May thirty first. That means mega deals on your favorite Toyota models from Alabama's number one volume Toyota dealer. And don't forget, every new vehicle comes with our ten year unlimited warranty. Plus, enjoy the rest of our awesome Penny perks. Visit BuildPennyToyota.com during Mega Memorial Month. Number one based on twenty eighteen total new Toyota retail sales in Alabama for Southeast Toyota distributors. Warranty valid through tenth year of ownership on new vehicles only. See dealer for details.